Hey, this is Pastor Rick. Glad you're with us on demand. I love it because the word of God is in your hand. It's something you can share with yourself, your friends, your family. It's cool whenever you want to. It's the word of God in your hand. So do me a favor, if you would, please sit back and get ready as we talk about trying today. You know, in this series on fear, we talk about being scared and stressed out. One of the things that stresses a lot of people out is just trying. They don't even try. So when's the last time you tried? So today I'll talk to you about that. Matthew 25, get your Bible open. One of my favorite places in the Bible, but it's got some great truths in it that I teach all I can. Boy, I'll tell you, if I can get to this book and talk, talk about this chapter, it's one of my favorites. So enjoy. Scared, stressed out, all because you didn't try. Stay right there. Enjoy the message. I'll be back and pray for you at the end. Enjoy. Glad you're back. Listen, I want to talk today about being scared. Now, I know a little bit about that. And in this series, the entire month, I've been sharing how easy it is to be a scared person. One of the things that I've learned is that being afraid doesn't change anything. And I've learned that, that the Bible is clear. God did not give us, and I shared this with you the other day, the spirit of fear. He didn't want me to be timid. He didn't want me to be uncomfortable. And there's something about that. But I, I, I want to take you to a verse in Matthew chapter 25. And I want to point out one thing from the story. It's a story about some people who chose not to try. They chose not to make an effort. It's so easy in life to just say things or hear things, and it just kind of goes over your head. You're not really paying attention. And so you just never try. You just kind of accept, well, you know, that's just going to be what it's going to be. And it doesn't have to always be what it's going to be. It can be something different. But you have to try. You have to say to yourself, okay, I have heard some information. I know where I need to go. It may be school. It may be cleaning up the house. It may be working on your physical body. It may be going to the doctor and getting something checked. It may be um, mending a relationship. It may be saying you're sorry. I don't know what it may be. But you have to learn the power of not just accepting what you've heard, or what the information you've gathered. You have to learn how to try to do something about it. So I want to show you a verse in Matthew 25. And it's, again, one of my favorite stories. If you've heard me and you followed me, you've seen me read this before, but there's an angle I want to take today. So look at this text. Let me show it to you. The Bible said in chapter 25, verse 1, at, the time, at, the, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. Now, that's important. They went out, but they did not take any oil with them. That's important. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars. They took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. But notice verse 9, they replied, No. And they went on to say, because there's not enough for both of us. Now, let me stop and say this to you. This is a story about 10 virgins. And this is about a wedding and something that you're not really that familiar with, because it's not a cultural thing for you to have weddings that are many, multiple days and that stretch out and all this. You're not used to all of that. So in this culture, Jewish culture, this is a big deal. And so to be invited to it was an honor and to be a part of the wedding team was an honor but they had one prerequisite for those who were going to come to the wedding and be a part of it. They were supposed to bring lamps and enough oil to pour in these kerosene lamps so that you could trim or, you know, stay, stay, have light, have personal light. 
So all virgins were allowed, were told, to bring enough oil. And in our day and age, you would change that to batteries and flashlights. So imagine you were part of a wedding ceremony and they said, okay, everybody bring, bring a flashlight, but we're going to be there so long, the batteries may go dead, so bring extra batteries. Well, five of them chose to do it and five chose not to. And what's really amazing to me is the five that were foolish did not even try to bring what they knew they needed. That's my point for the day. They did not even try. They didn't even try. They made no efforts whatsoever to try. So what have you been afraid to try? What have you been afraid to try? What is it in your life that you have been told? You have been given clear instructions, but somehow you won't even make the effort to try. Now, if I'm honest, if I'm real honest, there are times I've done this. There are times I knew better. There are times I was more informed than I I pretended. There were times I was clear. You need to make sure you, for example, go to the doctor. He tells you what's going on in your body, and you should do this try. Yeah, there's the word try. Try, just try. Try to exercise. Try to move around. Try to do something. Try to do something. You know, try to keep it down. Try, 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 try. Try to study. You know, you may not be a really smart person, you feel, but you're not even trying. You're not even trying to improve yourself. You're letting yourself just go down. You're not even putting, put lotion on. Just put some little, little lotion, little lotion, little lotion on the hand, little lotion, just a little bit. You can change everything. Say, just comb the hair, just a little bit. Get a little haircut. Go to the try, go to the barbershop, go to the beauty shop. Every now and then, you ain't been a long time. You look at your nails, look at them nails. Don't look down. Don't look at the feet. Ladies, don't even look down there. You ain't even trying. You're not even trying. You're not even trying. Now, what's interesting is if you're honest, you want to ask yourself, why is it that I know this? These virgins, these, vir- these, bri- these bridegroom maids, they knew. They were told, here are the instructions. Come to the wedding, bring a lamp, bring extra oil. Ready? Come to the wedding, right? You need to bring a lamp and you need to bring extra oil. That's the instructions. The wise said, sure. The foolish said, no. And if, if you're like me, you've been on that foolish side and you, and you knew better. You have a test on Tuesday. It is Friday. Why are you hanging out and partying on the weekend? You didn't even try to make a good effort to learn the material so you can come in Tuesday and be prepared. Why are you not trying? Why are you not signing up? You said you want to go to college, but you haven't signed up. Why are you not trying? Why? You don't have an application? Why? You haven't even gone online to look for a job. You haven't even tried. You got big wanted for sale, want jobs openings as you pass by them on the street, and you won't even turn in and say, hey, can I get an application? Or here's my resume. You're not even trying to get promoted. You're not even trying to get along with the boss. You're not trying. I don't know what area it is in your life, but these virgins made a decision. We're not even trying. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to believe that somebody else is going to help us. Somebody else is going to take responsibility for my life, and they're going to pay my bills. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to do it. I'm going to find me a good man who works, and because and, I don't want to work, I'm going to find me a good man who works. I'm not against women being home, by the way. I'm not against that at all. I understand that housewifing can be a great thing, especially if it works. But sometimes it doesn't work, and you're not even willing to try to do better. You just accept broke. Try. Maybe I'd say that word, try, try. Well, watch this. Example of people that refuse to try, Matthew 25, verse 10. Listen to this. But while they were on their way, this is important because this is important now. While they were on their way to buy all, because let me go back and let me pause for a second. The foolish virgins told, uh, were 
asked the wise virgins who brought oil, could you loan me some? They said no. Now, listen to this. They wouldn't even, the, food, the wise virgin says, no, we're not going to even try to share with you. Some things you can't share because they said there won't be enough for both of us. So they said, no, no, we're not doing it. We're not going to share with you. So they had to go and buy their own. So now let me read the verse 10. You ready? Verse 10. While they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But they replied, truly, I, I tell you, I don't, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Now, here's the point about this. I, I think it's important to see when you try and you prepare, you get to take advantage of opportunities that others who don't try won't. So, for example, you never know if you can graduate if you don't go back to school. You never know. You never know if you can't mend that relationship if you don't at least try. 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 I mean, as long as it's safe and you're not putting yourself in any danger or something, why aren't you at least trying? Trying. So there's this moment where these folks refuse to try, and so now the door's shut and they can't go to the wedding. They come back, but it's too late. You can wait too late to try. You can wait too late to try. One more time. You can wait too late to try. You don't have forever for your parents to pay for you to go to college. You don't have forever to keep a job. You don't have forever to get in. You don't have, you don't have forever. For, you don't have forever. Watch this now. The foolish virgins never tried to provide for themselves. The foolish virgins assumed somebody else would provide for them, but the people never promised. They assumed, they assumed, they assumed. Let me say them again. Number one, the foolish virgins tried to provide for themselves. They never tried to provide for themselves. They just said, no, I'm not going to provide for myself. I'm not going to try. Secondly, the foolish virgins assumed somebody else would provide for them without a covenant promise. I, you know, who told you they were going to provide for you? Who told you they're going to give you some of their, their, their oil? Who told you they're going to give you some of their money? Who told you you can live here forever for free? Who told you that? You make assumptions. You make assumptions that aren't true. And there's something important about that. Number three, the foolish virgins waited until the last minute to take inventory of a need they knew was coming. This last minute stuff, I fight it. I fight it all the time. Man, I'll tell you what, I was tired this morning. I got up this morning and I was a little tired. You know, I said, oh man, I don't know. But I said, hey, remember how I felt being late? Remember how I felt not being prepared? Remember I was up late last night working on some pieces, you know, of, of things I had to get done for today. And there's something about understanding that I don't need to wait till the last minute. The last minute stuff, and I know it'll get me if I ain't careful because I, I, I piddle, you know. I be trying to, <laughs> I got to put this in place and put that in place and, and get this neat and get that side neat and get this, I make sure this is ironed. I'll get, listen, that's why I lay all my clothes out the day before. That's why I'm clear. I know Ricky. You need to get honest with yourself and say, you know what? I need to try to do better. And notice with me, they waited to the last minute. And that was sad. Number four, last thing I want to say about this, the foolish virgins thought they had a privileged position that excluded them from consequences. They had an exclusive position. I'm who I am. Yes, I can do what I want. I'm the pastor. I'm the leader. I'm the boss. I'm the CEO. I'm whatever. I'm the mama. 
And if you're not careful, you think it doesn't matter. You don't have to try. Let me tell you, you have to learn the value of doing what you know to do when you know to do it. You need to start trying harder. Now, here's the danger if you don't. Jesus said six things, I believe, that uh, will help us understand some truth about trying. I call this six things Jesus taught us about trying. So Luke 14, verse 25 through 35. I want to read this quickly because I want to show you these six things because this can really make the difference in your life if you get them. Number one, trying requires that you set priorities. Trying requires that you set priorities. You're going you to have to set what go in, in place what goes first and what goes second. Here's what he said in Luke chapter 14, verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning uh, and turning to them. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, I want you to understand this is hyperbole. That's exaggeration to make a point. A person feels like says things like I feel like I'm going to die. They don't feel like they're going to die. That is, that's hyperbole. They say it because they're exhausted. They say, I can, eat a, I can eat a tree limb. I'm so hungry. That's hyperbole. They're exaggerating. Jesus said hyperbolically, he said, unless you hate your mother, your father, and your sister, your brother, unless you are all in with me, you can't be my disciple, which means nothing can take priority over me. That's all he's saying. That's the only message here. Don't get confused. Don't get complicated. It's not complicated. There's something... A person needs to understand if I if I say something hyperbolically, I'm simply saying in an exaggerated way, a truth. I love you more than I love grits. That's one of my favorite ones. Right. That's hyper hyperbole. You know, I may I may I may love you and grits, but they have nothing to do with each other. Just they're just being they're exaggerating to make a point. There's something about a person. Who does not, and maybe Chris isn't a good example of hyperbole, but you get the point I'm saying. I love you more than anything in the whole wide world, right? And so all that is my way of exaggerating to make a point. But here's what I want you to see. This example shows that you, you got to have priorities. Trying never works if you don't know what goes first. Because what are you trying? Trying requires that you set priorities. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, if that's your goal, you're trying to be a disciple, let me, let me tell you the first rule. You have to have priorities. I fit somewhere. Where do I, where, where do I fit? And it's got to be relentless. It's got to be at the point, and he uses a strong term, hate, unless you hate your mother and your father. That doesn't mean you don't like your parents, because the Bible said you got to honor your parents. That's not, so this is not designed to make you, you know, uh, struggle with loving your parents or putting your parents someplace off, because off, that's not what he's saying. He's simply saying, you've got to be clear that I am the priority. And that's, this is not about ignoring family. This is not about not honoring parents. This is not about any of that. This is about you being clear that in order to, to really be a disciple of Jesus, you've got to make him a priority. That's the point. Hope you got it. Number two, watch this. Trying requires enduring difficulties. He says this in verse 27. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Trying requires that there is some difficulty involved, cross-carrying. You understood that Jesus carried the cross for us. There's a cross for you. If you trying is going to push you to some place of difficulty, and you have to embrace that challenge. And then thirdly, trying requires planning. Now, I love verse 28 because it really is powerful when you think about it. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Verse 28 says, "Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see to see if you have enough money to complete it? You've got a plan. You got to sit down first, estimate, and be honest about it." 
Most of us don't really have a plan for our lives. We're just kind of coasting. What is your plan? I even think when we gather in church, we have no plan. All of this digital option that we're providing for you is part of a plan so that we can reach you wherever you are. Church is not just in the walls. Church is beyond the walls. The walls are important. The gatherings are incredible and wonderful, and, and we should always be together as often as possible. But we should also understand that there are people who can't be there. What is our plan to reach them? What's, what's happening to a lot of churches is they're losing, their, <laughs> their plan is to drag everybody back into a building, and I don't think that's going to work. I think that's got to be part of the plan. Part of the plan is to be together this way, and part of the plan is to be together physically. Trying, trying, trying is difficult, and trying requires a plan. Now, again, I don't think most people live by a plan. They live by impulse. They get up in the morning, and they, their money is spent by impulse. Their money is raised by impulse, is impulse in everything that they do. There's no strategic goal. What is your goal with your wife? What are you trying? Where are you trying to get your husband? What's your goal with your children? What's your strategic plan? What What are you trying to do? Are you just getting up every morning, going to work, and cleaning up the house and making it work, and just kind of living in a circle of busy? There is no plan. When are you going to be off? When are you going to spend time together? What's your plan for your romantic life? What's your plan for your physical body? What's your plan? What is your plan for you emotionally? If you don't have a plan, you're just kind of running around. You're not going to get anywhere. Trying requires you endure difficulties, it requires that you have priorities, and it requires that you have a plan. Number four, watch this now, this is important. This is not trying leads to shame. I want you to think about that one. I talked I talk to you about the importance of trying. Now I'm going to talk about not trying. Not trying leads to shame. For, look at verse 29. For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. If you don't ever stop to plan, set priorities, if you don't ever stop and say to yourself, okay, this is what we're going to do first, you will end up starting something you can't finish. And if you, <laughs> if you, if you try and you don't plan, and you, you'll end up in shame. That's what he says. Because you didn't count the cost. You didn't, really, you didn't really try to get this right. You're not really trying to plan it out and think about it. You just got into a relationship. You just got married. You just, okay, we're just going to kiss, hug each other and, and go to work every day. And that's our marriage. Wait, 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 wait. That's not a plan. What are we trying to build in our relationship? Well, how much time are we going to spend together? What is it that we want to see improve in, our, in the way we communicate? There's something about this, this investment you make that leads to a better place. Number five, good trying requires an honest assessment. I love this. Good trying requires an honest assessment. Verse 31, suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? Honest assessment is crucial. Honestly saying, you know, we can't win this. We can't, we can't win this that way. So I need to sit down and decide what I'm going to do which may lead me to the sixth thing I want to talk about today is good trying requires negotiating and listening. Look at verse, verse 32. If he's not able, he will send a delegation with the others uh, while the other is still a long way off. Watch that. And will ask them for peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Pause there for a second. 
Good trial requires negotiation. So let's say you look down the road and say, you know, I'm not going to make it. I'm already exhausted. I'm already frustrated. I'm already going through a hard time. It's already bad. I, I, you know, good trying requires, I mean, I need to negotiate a new schedule. I need to listen to my body, listen to those around me, listen to my family. Good trying requires an honest assessment. This is not going well. I need to be, get honest about what's happening. Good trying. Not trying is going to lead me to shame. I need to deal, deal with that and not allow myself to get in this place where I, I'm in this bad place. So that means I've got to try. I've got to plan. That means I've got to face the fact that it's not going to be easy. It's going to be some difficulties involved. And I've got to set priorities. That's important. If I'm going to make it through my life and get to where I want to be and not become afraid and just sit there and shake, that's not going to be the answer for my future. Scared, remember that? Scared and stressed out is a series. And I ask you the question, what have you been afraid to try? Are you, are, you, are you really trying? When you hear this sermon, all I've said today, are you really trying? Are you, are you at the place where you're saying, you know, yeah, he's right. I have not been planning. Yeah, he's right. I have not been uh, honestly assessing the things around me. You know, we got too much debt. We got too much mess. We got the world is just, I'm, I'm angry all the time or whatever you're feeling. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You know, a pastor needs to look at it and see what's happening with the attendance, what's happening with the members. He needs to talk to people. What, what are you guys feeling? What's going on? There's something about that honest assessment. What's happening in your marriage? What's happening in you? When you do that, things happen. And then sometimes once you do all of that, you know what you got to do? Repent. But some people are scared to repent, confess, and say, hey, I was going in the wrong direction. Hey, that was the wrong approach. One of the things I've learned is just be honest. Somebody asked me one time, they said, what do I tell the people? I said, how about the truth? That's what's missing in today's culture, by the way. A lot of people have been saying things, but we've been running from the truth. And as long as we run from the truth, we'll never do okay. What have you been afraid to admit? What have you been afraid to admit? I say, this was wrong. Next time I'll talk about that as we close out our series. I believe that you have to be the person who says, okay, it's time to, to think again. The, the Greek word for repent means to have a second thought. It means to come and say, okay, I need to go in another direction because this direction I was going in is wrong. I need to try something different. So let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those who've heard this message today. May these 21 minutes have been a blessing to them. May it lift their hearts and minds to a new place. May they say to themselves, I get it. I realize that in my life and in my heart, I have lost sight of the passion to try. I've just accepted certain things and I don't need to do that. I need to open my heart and mind to you and allow you to guide me to a new place. I don't need to be like these foolish virgins who knew better but didn't even try. I need to be a person who at least brings what I need. I need to make sure that I'm prepared and I'm trying. I need to open my heart. Father, let us not, I pray, Continue down paths that we know are unhealthy. Hang with people we should hang with. Let there be a, this be a, a message of warning, a message of healing, and may it give us grace. Now I pray for those who've heard the message and said, you know, what I need is a new walk with God. What I need is a new relationship with the living God, and I need Jesus in my life. So, Lord, let this be the moment that they surrender their lives to you. May this be the moment that they say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, be the Lord of my life. May my life never be the same again. And I give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer at the end of this sermon, you said, you know, Pastor, that was me. I need to give my life to Jesus. There's something right there on the screen for you right now. You can simply say, I raise my hand 
The staff is right there waiting to pray with you about your walk with Jesus or send you some information to help you start your life in Christ. I want to also say, if you're interested, you know, in membership through our church, you've been thinking about, you say, you know, I like this church. I think I want to be a part of it. I think I want to be one of those one of those online members. You can simply reach out to me at pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. That's pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. I'll reach right back to you, I promise. And we'd be glad to get you into a membership process. It's a powerful, personal, intimate con, uh, relationship that we can develop that will help you and our church connect wherever you are in the country or the world. I really believe that membership is beyond the walls these days. And I want to help you connect with us. And we want to see you grow in your walk with God. Pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. Thanks for being with me today. We'll come back next week, close out this series. And then we got some really wonderful stuff to talk about uh, in the following month. I'm excited. I'm excited. I am excited about the last sermon we're going to do and the new series that is all about celebrating, all about being happy, all about this. I love the Christmas season, by the way. I get really excited. Thanksgiving's cool, right? This guys are saying thank you. And now we're going to, we're going to celebrate the birth of Christ. But I have a wonderful twist that I want to share with you next month about that. But that's going to be coming after next week. So join me next week. I'll see you then. If the message blessed you, link it, send it to a friend. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Be blessed and be healed in Jesus' name. Bye-bye. Well, you saw what happened when these virgins didn't try. You saw what happened. They lost opportunity. If you don't try, you'll never get to where you could be in life. There's something about trying. There's something about saying, I'm going to make sit down, count the cost up, get up, try to figure it out, and try. These stories show you the power of trying. It shows you the power of getting up and making it happen. So I want you to sit there today and decide, I'm going to get up and try. Let me pray for you. Father, let this be a moment of trying for them, where they get up and make that first step, then that second step, then that third step. And I pray blessings and grace on them. In Jesus' name, may this be the beginning of a new power-filled passion for trying to make it happen. In your name, amen. Thank you for being with me today on demand. If the word blessed you, link it and send it to a friend. I'll see you next time as we continue our study today. And I want to show you how not to be scared and stressed out. I want to show you how to win. See you more next time. Bye-bye.